like to thank our brother for the words of welcome. It's been a joy to uh, fellowship with you in the past, uh, I suppose it's two and a half months now, I've been at the prayer meeting. Um, I haven't been here on Sundays until today, but we're delighted to see our brother back again. It's a, always a joy to help him. We've been good friends over the years and neighbours, of course, in a sense, when I was in Ballygan, and we always worked together. Uh, holidays, covering, and things like that there for each other, and uh, it's a joy to uh, help out. I'm glad our brother's recovering, and I'm still telling him to take it easy, just a step at a time, and uh, his wife's nodding there, so I know that uh, she agrees with me. Uh, but anyway, I have to own up myself because I haven't been good at that over the years of taking it easy when I wasn't feeling so well. And so I understand when you're in the ministry, you want to get back in again. But we pray that the Lord will touch our brother and completely heal him and restore him to health and strength again. We've had some good prayer meetings and really I've been encouraged. I've said to the folk and Mr. Dean himself that been blessed with the spirit of prayer in the prayer meeting. And here in Cross Scar, it's been a thrill Sometimes you go to prayer meetings and it's slow. People are not, not that they're not praying, but openly praying or audibly praying. But here in Crossgar, there's a good flow of prayer. And that's been, and I just want to encourage the folk here in relation to that. It's been a blessing uh, to my own soul to be in the prayer meetings. We're reading together tonight from Luke chapter 16 and the 19th verse. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. The word of God says here, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was led at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus that he may tip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. That would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them that they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said, saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, 
neither will they be persuaded. No one rose from the dead. Amen. And we know that God will bless the reading of his inspired, infallible, and inerrant truth to all of our hearts. Let's bow together for a moment of prayer, please. Our gracious God and loving Father, we come now to the preaching of thy word. I am trusting thee for power. Thine shall never fail. Words that thou thyself doth give me must and shall prevail. Lord, in the closing moments of this meeting, give prevailing words that hearts will be opened to the message of the gospel and souls will be saved by thy sovereign grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. My text is found tonight in the 25th verse of the 16th chapter of Luke's gospel. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. The subject tonight is the memory that haunted him. The memory that haunted him. Often we refer to those who have a good memory. And maybe you're in that category tonight. You have that ability to recollect events through your lifetime. Maybe events in history. Sometimes we say that person is like a sponge. They have a mind like a sponge in a sense. That they absorb so much information and call it to mind. Well, I have a colleague and in the ministry who's like that. I think we know who he is, but I'm not going to mention his name tonight. But he seems to be able to talk on any subject. You refer to a certain subject and he refers you on to something else. And he knows all about it or he rings you up, and he says, I've looked that up, and he will give you all the information that you need. And of course, it's good to recall happy events, those times when we had great joyful times and families and even in the church and all of these things. But then there are things that are harrowing and heartbreaking that cause much sorrow and pain to reflect upon. And today and this week, above all times, brings painful memories of loss to many folk. And maybe even some listening to the preacher tonight. And you can recall those losses, the tremendous sacrifices that were made by so many, whether it be nationally or internationally, or in regard to our own country here in Northern Ireland. How sad it is, too, when people lose their memory. They cannot recollect things that have happened in the past, maybe things that happened even just five minutes ago. They cannot recollect those things. 
And how difficult it is for those who are closest to them to deal with all of this. And perhaps some listening tonight are going through this experience. It is very heartbreaking indeed. And yet there are happy, heartwarming memories etched upon our minds, which we can recall. They uplift our spirits. They bring a smile to our faces and a spring to our step. But then there are the heart-rending memories, those that break our hearts and bring tears to our eyes and a lump to our throat. As Abraham addressed here the rich man who at this time was in a lost eternity, he found himself in hell, experiencing its torment and its misery. He emphasized to him that he was going to remember certain things forever. And what solemn words these are that were uttered by Abraham to the rich man in hell. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. The memory that haunted him. Three things that I want to focus upon tonight. First of all, the life that he lived. Thou in thy lifetime, he said. You see, Abraham was saying to him concerning, or speaking to him concerning his life upon this earth. The rich man would have a clear recollection of the years of his life upon this earth. Although now he was in eternity. There would be no dulling of his memory. Or his recollection in that regard. He would look back down the corridors of time. With an undimmed view of his life. It was a life without God. A life lived for self. And for sin. A life lived for prosperity and pleasure. But a life lived without repentance toward God. And faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A life lived for the moment. A life lived for time. But not for eternity. And many sadly like the rich man. Are now. And will be forever having the very same memories. What a harrowing experience. It is and will continue to be forever. For there will be no relief and no release from such painful memories. Let me remind you now, dear friends, who are still outside of Christ, that this is what awaits you if you, like the rich man, die in your sin. You see, the rich man's life was one of rebellion against God and rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was one of resisting 
any thought of changing his lifestyle, of living for the Lord. He wanted to live for his sin. He wanted to live for the enjoyments of all that he could see and all that he could taste and all that he could feel in this world. And he gave no thought to the eternity that awaited him. And now he was taking a trip down memory lane and it wasn't going to be pleasant for him. It wasn't going to be something that he would enjoy. It was something that was going to be very distressing and very depressing, providing no hope for his doomed and damned soul. How awful. And how awful it will be for you, my friend, if you die like the rich man. A lifetime of missed opportunities. All of those years, all of those months, all of those weeks, all of those days, all of those minutes, all of those moments. Opportunities to give thought to his soul, to give thought to the Savior, to give thought to salvation, to get the sin question dealt with. But he'd never seized any of those opportunities. Have you seized the God-given opportunities that have been given to you, my friend? And let me tell you, you will have forever memory and eternity of those missed opportunities you had in your lifetime if you end up in hell like the rich man did. All of those sermons that you've heard all of those invitations that have been given to you to come to Christ and be saved, all of those Sunday school classes you've attended, all of those Bible classes, all of those youth meetings, all of those gospel tracts that you've read, all of that witness of your parents or of family members or of friends or of work colleagues or others in the course of your life, all missed opportunities. Guilt-edged opportunities that you have not grasped. And all of these, my friend, will know at your memory and cause you to be tormented in your mind forever. Every sin you've committed through your lifetime and unrepented of and therefore unforgiven will come before you endlessly in a lost eternity. And there is no hope of repentance there. And there is no prospect of salvation there. And there is no forgiveness there. The Bible says, He that is unjust will be unjust still. He that is filthy will be filthy still. Sin cannot be blotted out in eternity. It's too late then. And the cry of the unsaved person will be the cry of Cain. My punishment is greater than I can bear. The hopeless cry of the unsaved, unrepentant, rebellious sinner. And now this rich man, he's without hope forever and ever. 
And so will it be for you, my friend. If you die in your sin, if you die without Christ, remember, Abraham said, that thou in thy lifetime, remember, rich man, the life that you lived. But secondly, this man would remember the luxuries that he loved that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. You see, the rich man had lived for the good things of earth, had experienced abundant temporal blessings. And many there are, and perhaps listening to this message tonight, you amongst them have received many temporal benefits and blessings of life as this man did. Oh, there are many in our society today that live for the luxuries of life, as he did. The lavish lifestyle. Look at verse 19. In the portion here, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and furred sumptuously every day. He's described as a rich man. He had riches. And sadly, he had, as many still do, had set his heart upon them. There's no sin in having riches. It's setting your heart upon them. Money is not, or having money is not sin. As the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And here's this man in the portion of Scripture we've read from tonight. He's described as a rich man. Again in Luke 12, 16, you have the same words used again. A certain rich man concerning the man who loved riches. The rich farmer. He had a, a bountiful harvest. And the Bible tells us that he thought only of himself and only of his expansion and only of the things of this life and only of his sin. He loved riches. He laid up treasure for himself. But God said, Thou fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Is that what God's saying to you tonight? Again, the rich young ruler, Mark 10, 22. The word of God says he had great possessions. And that was his problem because he had set his heart upon them. Oh, he had many commendable things about his life. But the Lord said, one thing thou lackest. Go sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. But he went away sorrowful. He went away from Christ. And how many like these men mentioned tonight in Scripture are just examples of men and women, young people in society today, living for money, living for luxury in this world, 
How sad. This man loved his money. He loved his clothing. The Bible tells us he was clothed with purple and fine linen. The best and most costly apparel. He was taken up with his appearance. Oh yes, it was not only his finance, but his finery. Luxurious appearance. The purple and fine linen. The clothing of the rich people of his day. The best that could be bought. There's nothing wrong with a good and well-groomed appearance. But it's not the outward appearance that counts. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. You can look well and put up a good show for appearance's sake, but what about your soul? What about your heart? Is your heart right with God tonight? That's the most vital thing of all, my dear friend. Make sure that your heart does know in the cleansing of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man loved his money. He loved finance. This man loved his finery, how he appeared, his clothing. This man loved his food. The Bible tells us in verse 19, he fared sumptuously every day. We all love our food. Again, nothing wrong with that. But this man gave no thought as to who gave him these things. He took it all for granted, as many sadly do today. He was so selfish, he wasn't interested in the plight of the poor man that laid his gate full of sores. There he was, feasting, and the poor man was famished. Desired the bread or the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. This man had food for his body, but none for his soul. And while he was physically fed, he was spiritually hungry. He was in need of the bread of life. He loved all the things of this life, but he had made no preparation for the life to come. No preparation. My brother-in-law had a great business. He lived not too far from here at one time. He'd made his money, sold up, had an apartment, Tenerife, a gated apartment in London, all that he could have of this world. Every day he took his laptop out and he saw what his money was doing. But one day in the apartment in Tenerife went in to have a shower. He never came out of the shower. He died in a moment of time. Sunday afternoon. Well, I remember getting the call Sunday night to say he had gone. All of this world's goods. But no preparation for eternity. No preparation for the hereafter. And maybe tonight 
listening to this sermon, you have all of these things. The temporal, material things of this world, but no preparation for eternity. You know, if you were going on a holiday, and you had everything prepared. Of course, it's a sensible thing to do, to have everything prepared. And you go to the airport, but you discover, I haven't got my passport. Well, you've missed the most vital thing. You're not forgetting on the plane. No way. Till you get the passport. My friend, we're not going to America or somewhere in this world. We're going in the greatest journey of all from time to eternity. You need to make preparation. You can make it tonight. This man hadn't made preparation for the greatest journey he would take from time to eternity. And he's lost in a Christless eternity. He loved all the things of his life, but no preparation for the life to come. He would remember all the good life he had on earth, but he had nothing in eternity. He was lost. He was separated from God forever. What an utterly hopeless state he was in. He had gained the world, but he'd lost his soul. And the Bible says tonight, listen, what shall it profit a man? He shall gain the whole world and lose his soul. There's no profit. Absolutely not. Remember, Abraham said. Son, remember. Remember your life upon this earth. Remember all the luxuries that you loved. But thirdly, this man would remember the lessons he learned. Now he is comforted. And thou tormented. He learned that Lazarus was comforted. And what a comfort. Lazarus was enjoying in the Lord's presence with Abraham and all the other saints of God in glory. Lazarus had all of his life on earth been in misery. He was desiring, as we said, to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. His only friends were the dogs who licked his sores. As far as the world was concerned, Lazarus was friendless and forsaken. But now, listen, he is comforted. The rich man had all the comforts of earth, but he had no comfort in eternity. The tables were turned, as it were, and so they must abide forever. Nothing he had on earth 
could comfort him now. He was left comfortless forever. And so will it be with you if you die without Christ, my friend. He learned the lesson that Lazarus was comforted. And he would be forever without comfort. But it was all too late for this man to learn this lesson. For it couldn't be changed now. Distress and despair. Eternal separation from God would be his everlasting portion. Now he is comforted, Lazarus. And he, the rich man, is tormented. Notice those words, thou art tormented. You see, heaven is comfort and hell is torment. Heaven is joy. And hell is weeping and wailing. This man was already in torment. Look at the verses here. Verses 22 and 23. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels. Think of it. Here's this man who had nothing of his world. He's carried by the angels, the messengers of God, carrying him into Abraham's bosom, into the Lord's presence. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, verse 23, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The moment he died, the rich man, he was in hell. And the moment he reached hell, he was in torments. The Bible says in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. Verse 24, he said, I am tormented in this flame. It's interesting to note that the word torment is used four times in this account. It speaks of definite pain. This man is suffering the punishment for his sin in hell. Eternal punishment. He's in that place. Of eternal punishment. He found out. That hell was not a place of pleasantness. It was not a place of pleasure. It was a place of punishment. Where the individual has to endure real pain. D.L. Moody the great preacher on one occasion is walking. Through Chicago and. Of course some of the. Young men gathered in the street corner. They recognized him. They began to mock him. There's that preacher. There's that hellfire preacher. Somebody walked past, heard their conversation, of course, and they're laughing and their mockery. And back, brave man, into the midst of those young men. In their jocular way, in their mocking. Oh, we're going to enjoy ourselves in hell, preacher. We're going to have all our friends there. We're going to have all our pleasure there. Neil Moody turned them to the scripture and said, That's not so. Hell is not a place of pleasantness, not a place of joy, not a place of pleasure, but a place of eternal punishment. 
Before he left, those young men, many of them were weeping. So struck they were by the words that God's servant brought them to from Scripture. Here's this man, this rich man. He was, he was condemned. He was confined to hell's flames forever and ever. And the memory of what he should have done to avoid such pain would nod him unceasingly and unendingly for all eternity. Son, remember. His condemnation and confinement were unchangeable. He learned that though he could see Abraham and where he was and Lazarus where he was, yet he could not get to them. Look at verse 26 of the portion. And beside all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. There was no relief, you see. Nor was there any release for this man. And so will it be for all who end up where he ended up in hell. And that's where you will end up, sadly, my friend, if you die in your sin. If you die tonight without God, without Christ. He learned that though he could cry for mercy. There would be no mercy. Look at verse 24. He cried. This man cried out. He could cry endlessly for mercy, but no mercy would ever be extended to him. All the mercy extended him was extended to him in time. The greatness of that mercy was no longer available. He was beyond the reach of divine mercy. There was not even any hope for a moment's relief, such as the cooling of his tongue with the tip of Lazarus's finger in water, not even a split second. Oh, the awfulness, the dreadfulness, being lost in hell. All these lessons he learned, but it was too late. It was too late. It was too late. And it will be too late for you, my friend, if you end up in this place, the rich man ended up, this place of eternal punishment. His eyes were open now. He opened his eyes in hell. But it was too late to have his eyes open now. Now his memory would not him eternally. The thoughts of what might have been and of what the reality was was his forever. What an awful place hell is, friend. What an awful place. And let me solemnly tell you, that's where you're going tonight. If you die without Christ, the Lord says, where I am, you cannot be. If you die in your sin, where I am, you cannot be. What a sobering thought that is.
But sinner, it need not be so. Because if you trust in Christ and his atoning blood, you will escape, my friend. You will be saved tonight. Thank God you can be saved tonight. Many years ago as a boy of 11, over 50 years ago, long time ago, I trusted Christ. Never regretted for a single moment, friend. That night, take you to the very place, Ravenhill Road, 153, past the house often, it's still there. Look up there, think about the night I trusted Christ. Think about that moment when I was saved. I escaped. The Bible says, escape for thy life, lest I be consumed. You come to Christ tonight. Dear man, woman, young person tonight. Today, the Bible says, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Don't turn away. But tonight, trust in Christ. Be saved before it's too late. May God help you to come. The memory that haunted him. Son, remember. Oh, may God write his word upon your heart tonight. Save you by his grace <coughs> through the precious blood of Christ. Let us pray. If God has spoken to you tonight. Reverend Dean is here. I'm here. If you're listening in, do make contact with Reverend Dean or the church here. Or just where you are, call on the Lord's name. Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't need a minister. If you can call directly, the night I was saved, there was no minister there. I just called. The Lord saved me. If you do need instruction and help, do contact the Lord's servant. Or speak with us if you're in the meeting tonight and not saved and you want to be saved. Speak with us before you leave. God write his word in your heart. If you're a backslider, come back to the Lord. Be restored tonight to the joy of God's salvation. May God bless you tonight and thank you for listening. Father in heaven, apply thy word by the power of thy Holy Spirit to every heart. We pray for those who have listened tonight with attention to thy word. We pray, O oh God, that thou wilt cause them to think about their soul, to think about eternity, and to prepare to meet their God. Lord, we cry unto thee, thou wilt work tonight in hearts and lives for thy praise and for thy honor and for thy glory. And across this land tonight, men and women, Boys and girls who will come to Christ. Spread now thy covering wings around. Till all our wanderings cease. Till all our fathers blessed abode. All who are saved arrive in peace. For Christ's sake. Amen.